You're listening to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast, broadcast in early May 2020. Today, we look at price gouging, that is, sellers that are charging way too much for Doctor Who collectibles, being frustrated by younger collectors. And then later, I am usually referred to as the master. We delve into the unofficial master annual, thanks to Terraquia's publications, and you will obey me. Stay tuned. Cue Fraser. Welcome back to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast, the podcast that explores the world of Doctor Who collecting, Doctor Who collectibles, and Doctor Who merchandise. Also, protection of your collectibles and watching out for you on outrageous prices. I am Larry Van Mersbergen, your host, and I have been a Doctor Who collector since 1981. I also am credited with opening the first Doctor Who store in Chicago called Bundles from Britain back in 1984. Sure, other stores, comic book stores, carried Doctor Who, but we exclusively carried Doctor Who. And we are credited in the history of Doctor Who in America in a book called Red, White, and Who, The Story of Doctor Who in America. This is a great book from ATB Publishing, available on Amazon.com, and My Company Lives on page 384. Our theme song is, of course, Who's Doctor Who? by Barry Mason and Les Reed, performed by Fraser Hines, who played Jamie McCrimmon in over 113 Doctor Who episodes, the longest-running companion of the Doctor and a good friend of the podcast. Uh, We do... Thank all of the friends of the podcast, and there are a couple ways you can help us out. You can support us on our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash Doctor Who Collectors Podcast. You can also go to our Podbean channel at doctorwhocollectors.podbean.com, where you can tip us there. That would be a, a nice way to do that. Or the fun way, where you go to our website at doctorwhocollectors.com, click on the shopping link, and I've got tons of links to Amazon.com of your favorite Doctor Who items. You pay the same price, but Amazon shares a portion of that proceed with us. We are also a very proud member of the Doctor Who Podcast Alliance. You can hear a lot of great Doctor Who podcasts at DoctorWhoPodcastAlliance.org. The money to be paid from your private purse. Ah! You spank. Um, Starting out today, of course, later in the program, I'm going to talk about the brand new Master Annual 2074, um, because we are coming up on... In 2021, we'll mark the 40th anniversary of the first appearance of the Master as the Doctor's arch-rival, and it's even celebrated as recently as the last season of Doctor Who that was put on TV. So he is a long-running adversary of the Doctor. Many actors have played him over the years, but no annual has ever been dedicated. So the the folks at Terraquias Publications have come out with yet another wonderful annual. 
The first thing I want to talk about today is a very common problem in uh, Doctor Who merchandising, and it's called price gouging. I have been at odds with many people over this term, and some say the seller has a right to name their price, and of course the person on the other end has the right to pay it. However, it's very discouraging to newer Doctor Who collectors who perhaps are on a limited budget. I mean, I was back in 1981. I had a total of $15 uh, to spend, and I was able to buy three items new. Um, the Doctor Who mug, the Doctor Who monthly number 72, and Day of the Daleks Target. So that was, you know, that was back then. But today, you know, looking at books that, you know, came out, when they came out, they were basically a couple of dollars, or back in the 80s, they were maybe 12 or $13, and now they're expecting $1,000. I just think that's crazy. Um, some great examples would include just the recent uh, posting of Doctor Who and the Auton Invasion. It was supposedly a non-library cover with dust jacket asking $1,000, and I said, I don't think so. And it did not sell. Same thing happened with a copy of The Cave Monsters, which was an ex-library copy, slightly beaten up, and they were also asking close to $1,000. And I said, that's a bit much. And of course, I've, I've spoken out. I've, I've been refraining from, from speaking my piece in the various Facebook groups because I've been banned from some groups. Um, I've had some eBay sellers ban the Doctor Who Collectors podcast because of what we talk about that it's hurting their business, so to speak. And I said, well, if you're not selling the item, your business isn't doing very well. Um, and it's just a terrible thing to send to, to younger collectors. Why is this wrong? Well, in many ways, when I was a dealer, um, and I went to the TARDIS 22 convention in Chicago, and uh, I apologize for that. My phone should have been off, and that was the Taco Bell uh, alarm. Uh, I will make apologies for that later. Anyway, um, why is it wrong? And back back in '84, when I was a dealer, uh, in '85, um, I attend. I was a dealer at the TARDIS 22 convention, and we were the only dealer to have the classic hardcovers because uh, Lyle Stewart, as I've mentioned in previous podcasts, could not give them away to bookstores or libraries. They just weren't interested in these books. But you know, we were bundles from Britain. Yeah, we'll we'll take them. And we sold out of most of the titles, including uh, some rare editions of Planet of the Spiders um, second edition, which uh, had the dust, dust cover on it. And they were new, brand new, um, had the Lyle Stewart sticker on the back. So it was it was one of those things. And we sold those books for twenty dollars, which seemed right at the time. And they, they sold well at that price. And we made our money. It was it was fine. Um, and most recently, I, I've been looking for copies of the second edition, and I haven't found any, which kind of leads me to believe maybe it's rare, or maybe people just aren't selling it. It's, it's hard to say. But if somebody really wanted to find a book... Now, I found very good deals on hardcovers recently, some of as low as $13, $14, which you know, is about right for some of the later titles that had a lot of them in print. Um, there were some that had limited runs, and so, you know, that definitely would, you know, maybe raise the price, but not to a point where you're gouging the price, where you think you're the only person that has it. Um, in another podcast, I talked about the vinyl LP editions that Big Finish did for Sainsbury's Marketplace. Uh, 
And I actually brought this to the attention of Nicholas Briggs and Benji Clifford. I wrote an email to the Big Finish podcast, and they were very kind not only to read the email on the podcast, he responded to it. And I played that clip on, if you go back a couple podcasts, I actually play the clip of Nicholas Briggs talking about how terrible it is, how wrong it is that British um, citizens are walking in and out of a Sainsbury five, six, seven times, buying the album at a very low price. I don't know what, you know, maybe it was like maybe 20 pounds and then turning around and putting it on eBay for $150 to the American audience because we did not have a chance to buy those at retail. So I thought, you know, he spoke out about it, and he's talking with uh, the heads of Big Finish to figure out a way to distribute those to the United States um, in a fair way so that 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 could eliminate that price gouging. Um, Now, there are Doctor Who items that are only available in the U.K., you know, some some games were released, uh, some some toys were released that were only available in the U.K., and if you just hold on, you know, and wait, they eventually move over to the Amazon.com in America. They usually get here, and it's just a matter of time. But if you're in a hurry, you be prepared to pay a lot more. And I just still, it's people that are looking to to turn around a quick buck. Play there. Some of them are not even Doctor Who fans, by the way. Taking advantage of of our fandom and in a way that I think is is just bad. It's just bad for everyone. It's bad for you. It's bad for me. You know, and and since I'm devoting a lot of time to this topic, because it comes back to me, people say, hey, this is crazy. You know, the, mo- the most outrageous offer part of this program is very popular because people want to point that out. Of course, I stopped naming sellers because I don't, it's not my point to punish a person for trying to sell something. That's just not, you know, I, everybody has the right to do that. I just think you need to think carefully about your pricing. And looking at closed eBay sales is not a good way to, to gauge your price because unfortunately it still happens where people bid on their own item and braise the price up in order to try to, um, to get that removing. So it's, it's really unfair. And eBay has not done anything to address it um, as of now because you can use two different IP addresses and two different accounts and bid on your own item. And unless somebody catches you, um, it just doesn't, you know, it doesn't really work out. Um, you know, and talking about uh, also limited, you know, I already addressed hardcover books. Uh, the classic hardcovers uh, are, are often gouged on especially Facebook groups like the Doctor Who Collectors Club or Doctor Who Buy and Sell. Um, and so I've, I've, I've seen those and people kind of, you know, and I've been asked my opinion, which is nice. It's kind. You know, I'm, I'm not a self-proclaimed expert. I just have experience. And I've had one guy just say, well, I've been collecting since 61. I said, did you ever open a store? Well, no. Okay, then you don't know what it's like to be a retail dealer and uh, what what people are willing to pay. Uh, you're only an item is only worth what someone's willing to pay for it. And the, I quote that from uh, Gene Smith, the uh, owner and operator of Alien Entertainment, and my former business partner at Bundles from Britain. He and I worked together back in the day, and you know, you know, he also said anything could be bag priced and sold. <laughs> that was an inside joke, but anyway. Um, it's only worth what somebody's willing to pay for it. You know, if you put too much money on it, it's going to sit there. And we learned that, you know, we, we 
overpriced some things, and then we brought the price down at the next convention, and of course it sold. And we still didn't lose money, but it was still, you know, it was a learning process. Uh, there are also limited, you know, limited edition collectibles that, you know, of course, the minute you put on an item, limited edition collector's item, it usually nullifies the, the collector's item thing about that, unless they put it out as a numbered edition, and that's all they say. This is a numbered edition. Like, there's only 500 of these, or only 1,000 of these were made. That's a lot more enticing than, say, this is a collector's item, <laughs> you know, the limited edition, but they don't put a number on it. Um, there were a lot of limited edition posters from TARDIS 22 back in Chicago that were all signed by John Pertwee. And uh, we learned later that uh, I think only 3,000 were supposed to be signed. And we found out much later that many more than 3,000 were signed. They were slipped into the pile while uh, the late John Pertwee was signing those. And, I, and uh, that was, that was the, the Spirit of Light conventions. And, you know, they didn't last much longer after that. There was a lot of bad decision making on that part. So, you know, those posters might not be worth as much as you might think, because there's more of them out there than, than you might know about. Um, how does this hurt new collectors? Well, new collectors are trying to get into it. They're trying to go backwards and buy early edition Target books or early edition books, and they're finding it, wow, that's really expensive. You know, I'm not going to pay $600 for a copy of Genesis of the Daleks that's been thrown out from a library, and I wouldn't either. That book, at, very, at the very least, um, $200 sounds more reasonable. But... If the person paid $200 for it, I, I get it, maybe $300, but $600 seems a bit much. And I've seen, by the way, I've seen that same book relisted for $600 over a period of two years. Um, my advice to sellers, and I'm, I'm, I consider myself a former successful Doctor Who dealer. Not only did my business succeed, it continues. It may not be the same name, but it's still going strong, and I started it, by the way, when I was 15 years old. So it, it wasn't, you know, something that I, I brilliantly researched. It was just an idea I had one day that ended up in a Doctor Who history book that I didn't supply the information to. I didn't know it existed until I went to a Chicago TARDIS convention a few years ago. And other people told me about what bundles from Britain meant to them. I still have copies of the original catalog. Uh, a copy of that catalog is now in the Doctor Who Memorabilia Museum uh, in England, run by David J. Howe. Um, one of the uh, one of my favorite artists, uh, Christopher Jones, uh, took a copy of the catalog and he hung it on his wall next to his workstation. Uh, Nicholas Briggs looked through the catalog at breakfast one morning and just said how the artwork was just amazing, all hand drawn. You know, that's just what we did. You know, we had a, we had a great group of people. Um, my advice is, you know, know your audience. These are Doctor Who fans. If you're not a Doctor Who fan selling a Doctor Who book, get advice from a Doctor Who fan. Do your research in more than one place. Look up Abe's used books. Look up Amazon.uk and see what the used prices are and take an average and see how long they sit there. And that would tell you exactly, well, now they've been sitting there a year. That means they're probably not going to move. You know, real estate people do the same thing. You know, if you put your house at a million dollars and it's on the market for 10 years, probably time to lower the price a lot sooner than 10 years, obviously. So 
that's that's exactly what I'm you know talking about as far as you know the price gouging. You know, be you know let the buyer beware. You know, always get information, get detailed photographs. Make sure it is exactly what you're buying. A lot of times, you know, it's not what it is supposed to be or it's it's in worse shape. Or if it's damaged in shipping, take a picture, make sure that it's uh it's it's really, you know, what it's supposed to be. And and on that line, I want to uh, put a little shout out here because I put a little um, post on Facebook about, you know, what is your most prized collectible from Doctor Who? And so I want to share a couple things with you. Um, uh, Robert Hack has an original John Ridgway uh, Doctor Who monthly comic page with Six and Frobisher. He's got a few others, but this one's amazing. And uh, I will make sure that photo is shared on our page. Uh, and Rob Moss, uh, if I could only rescue one thing from my collection in the event of a fire, it would be this. Obviously, once my wife and kids were safe. And it's a, um, it's a, fr- it's a illustration of full circle um, that is framed. Uh, obviously hand-drawn by the original artist. So that's what's, it, it's really cool to see, you know, what people are sharing out there. And this is what is valuable to me. Um, I've already shared my most valuable collector's items. I have a, an original script from the City of Death that was, uh, that I bought in an estate sale from a former BBC electrical design person who happened to take the script with him. It's the only Doctor Who thing he worked on, but a complete script to the series in the original BBC envelope. Um, I also have a Tom Baker action figure, the Italian Dennis Fisher, signed by John Leeson, Louise Jameson, and Sarah and uh, Elizabeth Sladen. Um, I have a first Doctor Who annual signed by William Hartnell in 1965. Uh, so it, it's it's some great stuff. Sad, man, isn't it? People spend all that time making nice things, and other people come along and break them. Moving to collection protection. Um, your Doctor Who annual collection needs protecting. Bags Unlimited has been protecting collections since the 1980s. They have bags to protect just about everything. If you go to their site and put in your measurements, they will come up with the perfect bag. The annuals are mostly the same size, except for, I believe, the 77 annual, which is slightly bigger. Uh, Just measure the dimensions of your book and allow a little space uh, around it so that you can get the perfect archival bag to keep your annuals from yellowing and showing signs of wear. It also allows you to label that bag on the back, you know, like I do with my my William Hartnell annual. It says William Hartnell autograph on the back. I have three copies of that first annual, so I want to make sure I have the right ones. Uh, Bags Unlimited is not a sponsor of this podcast, but a personal preference, and I've been using them since 1981. As a collector, I also resold their material, their bags, as a dealer. They've been protecting my Doctor Who collection for decades. Um, Bagsunlimited.com, and if you do order from them, and I've had even some uh, some confirmation uh, my my friend Nigel uh, bought you know I helped him purchase bags for his hardcover collection and they fit perfectly um, not snug not too tight so that they pinch the dust jacket but perfectly um, you can do that just tell them you heard about it on the Doctor Who Collectors podcast if you'd like to share any collection stories or collection protection stories you can write to us on facebook or twitter using the at doctor who collectors podcast or use the hashtag doctor who collectors 
Or you can shoot us an email at DrWhoCollectorsPodcast at gmail.com. We did get a wonderful comment on our website. I I approve and I really enjoy listening to your podcast. So I thank that person for doing that. Uh, Don't forget, our website is DrWhoCollectors.com. More after the break. Hello, fellow time travelers. I'm Tony Witt with the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, the podcast in which we undertake the insert adjective here task of discussing in story order all of the Doctor Who novelizations. I'm joined by Dalton Hughes and by Alison Fitzsafrey. And we record our episodes twice a month. You're listening to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast. Enjoy your travels. Up there is the scanner, those are the doors, that is a chair with a panda on it. Sheer poetry, dear boy. Tonight's villain is a very nasty piece of work indeed. Despite many sightings over the years, this slippery customer has so far managed to elude justice. We need your help to put him behind bars once and for all. You are one of the most evil and corrupt beings this time Lord Race has ever produced. Your crimes are without number and your villainy without end. Who in the whole galaxy is not my inferior? There is not one creature. Not even one. Not one. Name? The Master. Or at least, that's what he calls himself. And now the main story. The Unofficial Master Annual 2074 by Arrangement with Terraqueous Distributors. Um, First of all, I just want to say it's amazing that before now... There hasn't been an annual dedicated to the Doctor's arch nemesis, a Time Lord from Gallifrey who basically was friends with the Doctor in early history, but then turned to a life of evil. And for me, it's personal because next year in 2021 will be the 40th anniversary, if I did that right, yeah, the 40th anniversary of the first appearance of the Master, uh, as portrayed by Roger Delgado in 1971. And that the Master as a character is still going strong, even with the last, most recent season of Doctor Who, with a new actor playing the Master. Um, This annual focuses on the original Master. And what's really cool, first of all, um, I did do an unboxing. It was a very awkward unboxing video that I posted to our Facebook page. But anyway, uh, right out of the box, the annual looks almost exactly like the very first Doctor Who annual with the position of the master on the front cover, the colors, the, um, the, the, you know, even the back cover looks a lot like the original annual. So I, I, my hat is off to the artists who put this together. This is just simply amazing. The annual is the same size as the original annual as well. Um, very fine, um, you know, way to go. So I'm opening up the book. We're going to talk through the book. And uh, first of all, the manual, the the official, the unofficial Master Annual 2074, the cover illustrations by Paul Cook. Editors include Mark Worgen, proofreaders Rob Nisbet and Paul Cook. Page layouts by Mark Worgen. With special thanks to Alistair Pearson, one of the great Doctor Who um, artists. Uh, Rob Nisbet, Smuzz. Paul Cook, David Lavelle, Paul Mount, and Neil Kenny. Digital restoration of Alistair Pearson's illustrations for The Mark of the Master, Mindbenders, and The Labyrinth of Xenos by David Lavelle. Um, There are, uh, let's see, three, four, five, there's, you know, about, let's see, 12 stories, 
Let me count that again. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Fourteen stories, as well as features and games, just like any annual. And the artwork is over the top. It is amazing. Um, just, you know, it's, and there's some great photographs here. There's, uh, you know, some, it looks like some photographs that were taken, uh, uh, off, uh, off filming here with Roger Delgado and John Pertwee. And, and as you know, in Doctor Who history, that they were very good friends. And so when Roger Delgado died, um, tragically in an accident shooting a film in Turkey, uh, it was part of John Pertwee's decision to leave Doctor Who and pursue other projects. I know he went on to do Wurzel Gummidge and a few other things um, after that, but um, unfortunately, that Frontier in Space turned out to be the final appearance of Roger Delgado as the master. And my, you know, my history, just, just to go back, I, I started watching Doctor Who in 1975 here in Chicago, and the first story I saw was The Mind of Evil. So I saw The Master from the get-go um, in that episode, and it was just, you know, just every time we saw him come back, it was like, oh, he's back, you know, and, and of course we didn't know. I was seeing it for the very first time. It was, you know, The Mind of Evil, the claw, you know, The Claws of Axos, you know, uh, colony in space, you know, just some great stories. So um, just basically paging through, there are a lot of um, well-written stories and, you know, the illustrations and color are just absolutely sp just spectacular. Um, you know, and, you know, there's a great um, little fact thing here on pages 18 and 19 about Roger Delgado, Roger's, Roger Caesar Marius Bernard Del Delgado Torres Castillo Roberto. <laughs> That's his full name. So, um, born in 1918. And he, you know, basically had um, a, lot of, uh, a lot of experience. You know, he went to the London School of Economics. Um, you know, he basically... Uh, he had missed, you know, he was discriminated against for being mixed race, um, things like that. He he had all kinds of um, of, of, of issues to, to to work with. But, uh, you know, it's just a really nice little I'm not going to I'm not going to give any more spoilers as far as reading from the book here. I want you to buy this book. This is an absolutely wonderful, wonderful book. Uh, some great photographs of Roger and other scenes and uh, just just some great stuff. So you know, lots of wonderful stories. Of course, the annual goes back and forth between color and black and white or, or one color artwork, which is very typical. There's there's even a, it looks like the meddling monk in here. Just some some great stuff. Of course, this also might, you know, I don't I'm, I'm not going to say this, but there's been a lot of speculation whether the meddling monk was the was the master so i don't know maybe this book will solve that once and for all uh you'll have to read it to find out uh just some oh the, the artwork is just stunning i mean this is a this is truly a work of art uh story called shadow of the time lords and it has the the artwork is very retro of the early annuals if you if you were to look at this and look at the first william hartnell annual you would see exactly what i'm talking about just a an amazing um um bit of work here and then uh, i guess mindbenders uh master story here lots of and some definitely some uh quizzes uh just just some really, really wonderful things here. Day in the life of a renegade. 
just just and and the manual, you know, the 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 manual, the annual features Roger Delgado exclusively. Yes, other actors have played the master, and I personally, just my own my own observation, I as a kid when I saw the Keeper of Trocken, and I saw the master in the black with the beard, and I thought, oh yes. <laughs> You know, because the the dilapidated master of Deadly Assassin and early episodes of Keeper of Trocken was kind of a way to 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 you know write that the master was very reckless with his regenerations and had to resort to other technologies to preserve himself, as you see in more stories with uh, the late Anthony Ainley, who I think played the master brilliantly, of course, as well. Uh, I met Mr. Ainley. Back in 1985 in Chicago at the TARDIS 22 convention. So I think the Master had a great future ahead. Um, some wonderful games included in here. Of course, during this, uh, d- during the recording of this podcast, we were under a COVID-19 quarantine shutdown, whatever you want to call it. So games are, are kind of a great thing. So this is a wonderful manual. There are comics as well. I, I do love that the Master's TARDIS has a working chameleon circuit. So it allows him to change it. And the, I'll tell you, the, the artwork of Roger Delgado is lifelike. And absolutely wonderful thing. And, and some information, too. Uh, most dangerous species in the universe. Um, the tentacled thieves. Oh, that sounds amazing. And it almost looks like uh, the Avengers. <laughs> oh, that might be a spoiler. What I do notice, too, is that it's completely dedicated to the master. Nothing of, you know, the doctor. And uh, just, just some, oh, gosh, you know, every page is just, it's like, I can't wait to sit down and read this cover to cover because I will. Um, this is an absolutely beautiful, beautiful item. So this is, this is the Master Annual 2074. Interesting uh, for the year, because it really doesn't fit in um, to the spectrum. You will obey. I love it. Obey 2074. That's the final page. And some great artwork. Oh, my gosh. I hope these prints are made available commercially, because this, this, these are suitable for framing. Um, so um, I believe the cost of the book is somewhere around 22 to $25 American. I, I, you know, I'm not sure what the British price would be. Um, we, uh, we bought three copies of the, of the manual, of the uh, manual, the master annual, <laughs> the master annual. So anyway, um, what uh, the plan is, is that uh, with, with luck and knock on wood that we will have a Chicago TARDIS 2020 convention this November and uh, at my collecting panel, I intend to give away a copy of the unofficial Master Annual to a member of the audience. So I hope you'll join me there. Um, this concludes the episode 25 of the Doctor Who Collectors podcast. Hi, Larry from the future here. It's actually episode 24, but that sometimes happens when you're excited. Anyway, back to the podcast. Um, I am, since I started the podcast with an uh, sequence, you know, with with the whole thing on price gouging, just to wrap that up, I thought I'm not going to include a most outrageous offer on this episode because there are so many of them out there and I get a lot of them sent to me and we'll pick that up with the next episode, obviously, and figure out hopefully that the message will get out there and 
you know, of course, um, you know, and just as an example, the unofficial 1972 annual, which I talked about in a previous podcast, is no longer in print. I'm starting to see those come out on eBay for $100, $150, $200. And I worry that people have bought many copies of those with the hope of of speculating. And um, that's just not right. I'm sorry. You know what? I understand a slight mic markup in your price if you want to resell it, but don't go crazy. Anyway, um, I thought a great uh, ending clip here will be a clip of some classic Roger Delgado moments uh, that we will put together. And uh, we, of course, remember him fondly as the original master. Until then, keep collecting. Who the heck are you? I am usually referred to as the master. An old acquaintance has arrived on this planet. One of our people? The master. used to be a friend of mine once. A very good friend. In fact, you might almost say we were at school together. The master has learnt a great deal since you last met him. You'll do nothing, or I'll put a bullet through both your hearts. We time lords expected to face death with dignity. The people I represent, Mr. Farrell, can never have too much plastic. Death is always more frightening when it strikes invisibly. You're both renegades. We could be masters of the galaxy. Simply trying out a new product. You will obey me. We either escape together or we die together. He's an interesting adversary. I admire him in many ways. But you still intend to destroy him? Of course. And the more he struggles to postpone the moment, the greater the ultimate satisfaction. I warned you, Doctor. Destroy Axos or Axos destroys the world. Which is it to be, Brigadier? Leave the doctor with me. Let him see the planet Earth that he loves so much in ruins. Die!